tuning in to the 434th episode of Barbershop Sports Talk with me, your host, Daryl D. Lane, as always, wherever you are, however you may be listening, I'm thank you for making me and this show part of your day, whether it be via Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iRadio, SoundCloud, Pandora, whichever podcast, Snapper platform you may be listening to me via. Special shout out to everybody who's tuning in via WJCU, the John Carroll University radio station. I'm going to have Kenny Sim on the show, scouting expert for 247 Sports to break down, recap, and give grades for the NFL draft, uh, the entire draft class. We're going to go through the NFC South and the NFC West. So if you want to hear those teams, uh, what we think in terms of their grading uh, for the entire class, also players, diamonds in the rough to look out for who can make an impact this season, this is the podcast for you. As Kenny Sim would call it, it's a football meat sandwich. Now, before we get to Kenny, we get my shameless plug as always. First time listener, thank you. But subscribe and follow right now. Share this podcast with your friends and family, whether it be via Reddit threads, Facebook groups, et cetera, et cetera. Check on the description below. Specifically, if you use Spotify, you can click on the timestamp and it will send you to whichever part of the podcast you would most like to listen to, folks. It is for your convenience. Follow me on Twitter at Nitra underscore Lane. Also, subscribe to my YouTube channel. Just type in Daryl Lane. You will find it. I post two to five minute clips of this podcast right here, as well as my syndicate show, Outside the Shop. And lastly, if you have Apple or iTunes, give me five stars and a great review for some odd reason, right? If you don't like the pod, then don't say anything because you know what your mama told you. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all. And cut up next of the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. We're going to have Kenny Sim on the show. Cut up next of the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. With Barbershop Sports Talk, we still have Kenny Sim with us, guiding expert for 247 Sports. And now it's time for us to do our draft recap and breakdown. NFC South, let's start with the New Orleans Saints. Kenny, what did you make of their draft class? In New Orleans Saints, for one, that they actually, they actually used next year's first-round pick this year by trading up. So they got two first-round picks, and then they traded up from uh, from the 16, I believe, to 11. Could take Chris Olave. So that was their first pick. Chris Olave, definitely um, a guy, a second receiver off the board. I think he was my third receiver. Really like him a lot. Silky smooth route runner. Gets in and out of breaks. He has that deep threat that Michael Thomas does not. You pair two Buckeyes up. You know, a lot of a lot of uh, positive energy. I would think in that receiver room, solid pick there. Then this one, I mean, this one stuck out like a sore thumb. They needed a tackle to replace um, to replace Armstead. They got Trevor Penning. They're gonna fit him in 
day one as a starter. And that's kind of a position that was their missing link on the offensive line. They really have their offensive line starters intact, except for that tackle spot. And then kind of taking a stretch on Alante Taylor. Didn't like him too much, um, you know, from a productivity and an athletic standpoint. A little bit of a shocker that he went in round two. And then, you know, they had to make a lot of trades. Uh, I think they traded, I think, next year's, or I think they traded a future two. I think a future two in 2024. So they did not have a lot of picks on day three to fill out their team. They did get a run and chase linebacker out of Appalachian State, DeMarco Jackson. He's a guy that can really sift through the traffic, shoot the gaps between the tackles, rangy defender. Uh, and then they finish up with Jordan Jackson out of Air Force at defensive tackle. So from a, from a need standpoint, you know, the only one that was kind of open was safety, but I give them, you know, I definitely give them the best grade for primary needs of receiver and tackle. Looks like on paper they got both those. Um, fill out the team, though. You know, I didn't put down, you know, any of the secondary needs, like defense, like defensive tackle, guard, quarterback. They kind of bypassed those. They didn't have the picks for those as well. So this is definitely a top-heavy draft for them. Who do you think's going to be more valuable for years to come, Chris Olave or the tackle out of uh, Northern Iowa, Trevor Penning? Just like Chris Olave on this one. Chris Olave gives them a deep threat, but but he's a high volume deep threat too. They could also win underneath. You know, Jaquan Smith, a Callaway, those are deep guys that kind of are just one one trick ponies. This is a guy in Chris Olave that he could beat you deep, but he, he could also be a safety blanket underneath. And, and he's going to keep the quarterback healthy because if it's on time, Jameis Winston should be able to deliver the ball quickly and avoid the sacks because Chris Olave gets open quickly. He's a safety blanket underneath. He's going to come in and make the team better for several years. So because of all of that, you know, also, you know, decent team. I think he has a shot to win Rookie of the Year from uh, Offensive Rookie of the Year, Chris Olave, just because he'll be on what I suspect close to a playoff team. Should get a lot of volume. J- Jameis looks a big volume guy. You get a lot of volume with him and Michael Thomas, um, but he brings that deep element as a primary, uh, a primary deep threat that Michael Thomas does not bring. So I'm going to say Chris Olave and, you know, being inside on turf in a dome, it's just going to help that speed even more. So he's really in a good, a good fit when you take a, take a look at even all of the first round picks. He's in probably the best situation. Is Olave going to be the number one receiver over Michael Thomas next year? I, I, I mean, I think it'd be close. You take a look at, I mean, like, in terms of getting targets, you know, in the offense, I can see both getting equal amount of targets for the majority of the offense. Um, so, Michael Thomas is a guy that converts a lot of his catches. You know, his conversion 
is, you know, it's it, it's it's really high. It's seventy five percent or more. You know, when you throw him the ball, he's going to come down and catch it. Um, so he's also he's also he's only played in five games the last two years. So there's some health concerns, but you know, I still think for for number one in terms of volume, both of them are healthy. I think Thomas will get more volume. He's probably that guy you still go to on third downs, first read. Um, but Olave is right there. I think it's a one B for them. So, in terms of Trevor Penning, you know. Any chance that it doesn't work out for him at tackle and he has to move into guard? I mean, I can, like, buy it and order it in. Uh, there's a chance. I mean, there's a chance. He, he you know, he, he took some penalties on the outside at, at tackle. So, you know, there, there's always a chance that he could move in if it doesn't work out for him. You know, he would have... Two neighbors on either side of him at guard to help out, but they're pretty set at guard. You know they got what they got: McCoy out of Texas A&M, Caesar Ruiz. They took in the first round in 2020. Um, you know I think they're going to give him a lot of opportunity at tackle and see how that goes um, with Penn. What would your grade for this class be? Yeah, so for this one, I'm gonna give this one. I'm gonna give this one a B minus. So this was, you know, at the top of the draft, they had two clear needs. You know, the two biggest holes on their team: wide receiver and tackle. They got two first round picks right there to to, to fill those needs um, on paper for the time being. So I like that, but with only five picks. You'd only do so much to fill out your roster. Didn't like Alante Taylor as much as they did in round two. Still, you know, what do you do at safety with the loss of Marcus Williams? Chauncey Gardner-Johnston, you know, he's getting later in his rookie deal. You know, they could have gone safety as well uh, in round two. And then, you know, they just didn't have the picks to fill in their rosters they weren't that active on day three so i'm gonna give them a b minus just because those two guys at the top are going to carry this draft class for them and i think both of them are set up pretty nicely to be you know immediate contributors immediate starters and and at least a lot of a really high probability of a pro bowl receiver so now let's go to the Atlanta Falcons. What did you make of their draft class? So, Atlanta Falcons came in, were linked to wide receiver. They wanted kind of a bigger receiver threat. They get Drake Jackson, or Drake uh, Drake London out of USC. Arnold Ebiketti, I like him a lot. He's, he's, a, he's a productive, long edge rusher in round two. Trey Anderson, another guy. He's, a, he's about 6'4", six, six 245 out of Montana State. Really solid senior bowl. Just a big, physical, fast linebacker who had a chance, you know, for, even from FCS to be a top 50 pet. And he goes in round two. Then they get Desmond Ritter. 
a guy a lot of similar traits to Marcus Mariota on what they want to do. Actually, that's a pretty good comp for him is a Marcus Mariota type of player. D'Angelo Malone, he's got some juice. He's got some juice and some speed at edge rusher. He's a little bit of an undersized edge rusher, so he's going to need to win with speed. But he's got long arms and speed, traits to work with in, in, in round three. Tyler Allegier at a BYU. Big physical running back as well who will fill in when they released Mike Davis. You know, they're going to give him, I think, a lot of opportunities. They're passing it together with Cordell Patterson. And then they take two players out of Georgia in uh, Schaefer and Fitzpatrick to conclude their draft. But you take a look at their draft, you know, they needed a lot of help defensively. They got their quarterback, at least on paper. Uh, got and got their edge as well. Still a little weak on the uh, interior. Then they got receiver. Um, corner still a question. Tackle still a question. So this was a team that they're, they're in the beginning stages of their rebuild. They need a lot. So... Um, you know, hopefully for them, you know, they get three starters on the front seven, you know, with Malone, Abacati, and Anderson. Who in this draft class would be your diamond in the rough? Because there's a few ones here, right? You have Troy Anderson, you have Desmond Ritter. Who's your diamond in the rough? It would probably be Troy Anderson. Just because... You know, he was a guy that was not recruited. He was actually a quarterback. I think he was a quarterback his freshman year in college before he switched to the defensive side of the football. And, I mean, he, he, he has a lot of similar traits to, like, a Jamie Collins almost. Just a big, long linebacker who could run. Um, I think he ran, like, four three seven. Yeah, and, and, and he was your FCS defensive player of the year. Now, now... Maybe they do fill him in as like that Jamie Collins role, considering his coordinator in New England, Dean Pease, is now the defensive coordinator in Atlanta. But Anderson's going to be a guy that definitely, you know, the pedigree of the second round pick um, should be able to start and be very active early on. And that's just a spot that that entire front seven. You take a look at the seven spots in the front seven. Falcons have zero long-term answers there, so 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 they needed somebody at least um, on on their timeline on this rebuild. And I think Anderson has the highest upside over Abiketti and Malone, um, but a guy you know also who has some speed, kind of like a Deion Jones. They're 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 linebacker, starting linebacker when they went to the Super Bowl. So probably the diamond in the rough for the guy I like to be a productive player here would be. Desmond Ritter, any chance he's able to beat out Marcus Mariota? How do you see that going? Yes, so, you know, the way I see that going is I think Desmond Ritter is going to be on his own timetable with picking up the offense, picking up the NFL level of play. You know, he had had pretty good talent around him. and Cincinnati against Alabama. That's probably the best comp to an NFL defense. 
and you know, he kind of held his own. I don't think he stuck out in a positive way, but he definitely wasn't overwhelmed either. So, you know, I think that's kind of where, where you start that game is kind of where you start the, the initial point of where he is at an NFL level. So I would expect Marcus Mariota initially to start. And then, you know, when he starts picking up the offense and he's comfortable with everything, then, um, especially if the Falcons, eventually you're going to want to get up to what you have in Ritter, um, unless, you know, Mariota's just tearing it up and they're winning a lot of games. Eventually you want to want to take a look at him and see what he can do. So probably... He will be in, but I would think, you know, maybe in October might be, and then you put him in October and just let him kind of play for a while and see how that goes. What would your grade be for this draft class? Yes, so for this one, I'm going to give this one, I'm going to give this one a B minus. And again, taking Drake. London, a really good pick, and pay dividends maybe next year when they get their long-term quarterback in play. But, I mean, London and Pitts is set up, and uh, London's only 20 years old, and Pitts is young too, so they got two big-body receivers, 20 years old, uh, sets up nice for their rebuild. And then, you know, they, they got some upside pieces on their front seven too. So I'm going to give this a B minus. I, I, I think this is a good draft for them um, as they start this post Matt Ryan air. But you take a look at the roster; they they are one of the worst rosters in the NFL. They need a lot of help. So this was, I think, a good start, but it's going to take some time um, in terms of the win column. Now let's go to the Carolina Panthers. Uh, what did you make of their draft class? Yeah, so Carolina Panthers started to come out just a few days before the draft that they were really looking at offensive tackle, that they're going to take one of those big three there and not the quarterback. They have six, this will be, I think, the seventh different left tackle starting for them in week one. They've had seven different starters over seven years in week one. But Akeem Aquanu, my number two player in this draft, should be the guy to stop that trend and be a highly productive player at a premium position with multiple Pro Bowl upside. So you can't fold the pick there. I don't think there was any quarterback worthy of the sixth pick. You know, if you pass on a quarterback, you also got to take a look at the downside of, of overreaching one. You know, take a look at the sixth pick a few years ago, Daniel Jones. How's that working out for them? They end up stopping Matt Corral's decline in the draft in round three. Right at the end of day two, they take Matt Corral. Um, and, and you take a look at the situation he'll be in. I think it's a good situation for him. You know, he's got, he's, he's got DJ Moore, Safety Blanket, and McCaffrey. Uh, uh, the Tremble kid out of Notre Dame, some RPO stuff they could run. Not a bad spot for Matt Corral to go in. Then they get Brandon Smith. Um, I like Brandon Smith a lot on day three. He's young. 
you think Matt Rule is fighting for Barnes in the war room? Oh, yeah. Because you take a look at, though, but, but you take a look at what, what, what he said when he took over as the head coach, you take a look at what he said at Baylor and Temple, is he wants athletes and speed, and he'll teach them the football, and he'll teach them the toughness, but he wants speed and upside, and that's a lot of what the Panthers did, especially on day three. So, Overall, you know, they fit their top three needs. Um, you know, I like Brandon Smith. Still a little weak on the interior line, though. So, you know, all in all, I think it was a decent draft of what they had. Remember, they, they, they also traded a lot of picks, too. So they only had two picks in the first two days. Who would be your diamond in the rough in this class? Uh, diamond in the rough here would be, I'm going to say here would be Brandon Smith um, as a guy you know, who, who, who comes in and can be a force on special teams, but I think early on has a chance to you know, be one of those rare fourth-round picks who could be a starter and definitely a guy with, with the size and the athleticism, two-year starter, uh, five-star prospect. He's a guy that's going to get opportunities, I think, to start early in his career and probably take advantage of those. And so I'm going to say that would be the diamond in the rough here to, to um, you know, start and be a major contributor to the team. Will Corral beat out Sam Darnold? I'm, initially, I'm... Initially, I would probably lean no because other than Kenny Pickett, I don't think any of these quarterbacks are going to be ready week one. But Is Sam Donald ready week one? <laughs> I guess that's the well, thing. Well, Daryl, I mean, this, I mean, this, this quarterback room, them, them and Seattle are the two worst quarterback rooms in the NFL. So I don't think that solves your quarterback problem at all. But I think it would just... Again, with with a rookie quarterback, they're, they're usually on their own. I, I think the best way to do it is on their own timetable. And whenever they're ready, they're ready. So you can see him, see, see how he does in, in, in the three preseason games, how he does picking up the offense and stuff, and then, you know, just initially just maybe have a stopgap with Sam Darnold as a veteran. And whenever, you know, Corral is ready, 
that's when you put him in. And he'll be as ready as he'll ever be when he when 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 the time comes, whether that's week three, week five, week seven. He'll be as ready as he ever will be as a rookie. And put him in at quarterback, and he'll he'll probably give you uh, at worst the same output as Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold with the upside as well. What grade would you give this class? For this one, I'm gonna give this one a B. You know, I I like what they did with their key needs. Um, Matt Corral was my was my number one quarterback, but he was a you know he was a high four star player throughout his career. Especially if they run an offense that fits it, if they incorporate some RPOs, you know, he he has a chance to be successful. And then, you know, Brandon Smith, even Cade Mays, multiple years starter in college to fill in in two. Um, so I get this one to be. I don't think it's going to be one of those drafts. You take a look at, you know, some teams in the top ten that had drafts that could really catapult them. I don't think this is a catapult draft for the Panthers, but, you know, they got about two or three starters um, in this draft, I would project. Now, let's go to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. What did you make of their draft class? Yeah, so Tampa was able to pick up um, several, several picks on day three when they initially traded back, and that's what a lot of the good teams, the playoff teams do. They trade back from 26 uh, to the uh, 33rd pick, first pick of the second round. You get picks, and you get the same value as players. It's going to be tough to crack this roster. It's really strong. So they start off with Logan Hall. I like Logan Hall a lot. He could play He could play defensive tackle, defensive end, uh, mix and match with him. He's 6'6 with length. So on that pass rush with, with, with a with a Griffin, him, you know, see about how you go about with Pierre Paul and Sue as free agents. Bottom line is this guy should be able to fit one of those needs um, along the defensive line. Kodecki is a guy at offensive tackle they'll give a shot to. I like Richard White a lot. Based on being a third-round pick this year, I think Richard White is going to find his way somewhere in that backup spot behind Leonard Fournette. Because they got a lot of guys there. They, they, they got a Keyshawn Vaughn. They got a Ronald Jones. Rashard White is going to be the one that I think what they hope is he could solidify that number two spot and then eventually become their starter. Kate Ogden. Kate Ogden was one of the top tight ends, but he was just hurt throughout the entire draft process. Combine, pro day, everything. But he is a NFL-ready, big-time target. Got some burst downfield. Really good blocker in hands. He could fit in whether or not Gronkowski comes back. I believe O.J. Howard left in free agency, so he should be able to fit in in that number two role. Zion McCollum, big height-weight speed guy out of St. Houston State. I like that a lot in round five. Um, and then they kind of take a shot on a guy who had who had some pop and traits at LSU and Andre Anthony didn't really work out for him. Uh, but, but he's got, he's got the size of me and, 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 and the traits. Um, so try to develop those as well. So you take a look at the bucks. 
you know, they had some influx. Uh, they, they had some guys leave on the interior at guard. They didn't fit that. They got defensive tackle, running back, back though, so they met those needs. Uh, secondary needs, tight end. They got the tight end. Um, safety had some guys they didn't meet there, but 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 they got McCollum. So overall, they did a pretty decent job in their draft. I think getting some of the depth pieces that it's it's going to be hard to. Uh, you know, keep all these expensive veterans on their core together. So that's how you see guys like White, Otten, McCollum, Hall, kind of being that next wave of young players to meet some of those veterans that are either left in free agency or won't be re-signed. How many year one contributors do you see in this class? I'm going to say three. So, Logan Hall definitely means that if they want, they could sign one of those veterans that are free free agents. Hall will take defensive tackle, defensive end for JPP or Sue. Hall is the plug-and-play guy at one of those spots. Rashard White, I think, is going to be very active early on as, you know, as a patient runner. He could even catch as well. He's just a productive three-down player. I think he'll start off as their number two. And then, based on injury, with four four net, could be their lead back. And then Kate Ockton as well. That's a that's a, a team that likes to do a lot of multiple tight end sets. So Ockton, I think he'll be ready to, you know, start at tight end one. If Gronkowski comes back, he'll be their tight end two. So those are their three. Um I don't count the punter as a starter, but they did get the Georgia punter, Jake Camarda. He'll, he'll be their punter. They took him in round four. So, you know, whether you want to count that or not, he'll be the other starter, uh, uh, a fourth starter if you count punter. What grade would you give this class? After this one, I'm going to give this one a C plus. Um, you know, they, they were able to, meet some of their needs at like defensive line running back tight end with guys who are ready to go as rookies and then they got some guys you know like like a zion mccullen that you develop and he could be that guy later in the year or next year even one of those guys that you could kind of have at corner the height weight speed guy that could kind of hide with a ferocious pass rush and potentially be a player for them as well. So I'm going to give this one a C plus. I think it was a, you know, they met a lot of their needs. Um, not 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 all, but a good amount. And they got some upside guys. Uh, specifically, I think, Otten and Paul. So kind of next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk, me and Kenny are going to get into... The NFC West, the toughest division in the NFC. And give them grades and draft breakdowns. Cut up next out of the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. Mm. I've been a throw up the sex in a uh-huh. And I can put you in. I 
With Barbershop Sports Talk, we still have Kenny Sim with us. And now it's time for the NFC West. And let's start with the Seattle Seahawks in a rebuilding phase. They've traded away Russell Wilson to the Denver Broncos, a new era for Seattle. What did you make of their draft class, Kenny? Yes. So Seattle had a nice draft. You know, they had the draft capital to do that, and they ended up taking, you know, Two of uh, three, three of the top forty-one players in the draft. They started off Charles Cross. Um, he's a guy, one of the top pass protectors in this draft. Way better at pass protecting than run blocking, which is an interesting fit for a team that probably wants to run the ball ideally with Pete Carroll in their quarterback situation. But they get a guy who I think is closer to that equanum. Neil tier as a one of the top three tackles in tier one. Then they come back with Boy Moffey. Boy Moffey, a very explosive, productive pass rusher. He's a guy that can jump out of the gym. He can run. Um, has the traits to win at defensive end. I like that pick. Then they decided to still go with a running back in Kenneth Walker who should be a really good fit for the zone-blocking scheme that they want to do. Abraham Lucas, another air raid tackle. Interesting that they went with Cross and Lucas, both of those air raid offenses at tackle. Lucas is a is a long-arm, solid pass protector. Kobe Bryant will fit in at corner, but the corner that I like here is Tariq Woolen. He is a corner, 6'4", 205. He ran 4'25". Uh, explosive leaper. This is a classic off three corner, and it was just a matter of time between uh, before Seattle would take him off the board there. And then, you know, some guys to look out for, I think it's a Bo Melton. He's a guy that had to come in at receiver. You get the ball in his hands. He was a very athletic player for 5'11", 189. You know, similar, I think, to maybe how they how, how the Lions used Amon St. Brown last year. And so, overall, Seahawks met needs at offensive tackle and corner. They bypassed the quarterback position. And then they got, you know, Mafe at defensive end, safety, and linebacker were kind of left out for them, but they really addressed their front, uh, both of the, the lines on their um, offensive and defensive side of the ball and corner as well. So overall, I think it was a pretty solid draft for them. Who would be the diamond in the rough in this class for you? Diamond in the rough here would be Tariq Woolen because he's a guy that fits. He fits their scheme like a glove. He's tall. He's long. He can run. He has. He has enough traits, enough upside traits to start even as a fifth-round pick. He's a guy I had as a top 50 player. So he would be the one to look at that has a chance to come in and eventually start for the Seahawks. How does Tyreek Woolen compare to Richard Sherman? I believe they were both drafted in round five, right? 
Uh, how does he compare to Richard Sherman, a guy who's the pro- prototypical Seattle corner? Yeah, they're very similar. I mean, that's that's probably the, you know the ceiling eventually that Seattle is looking for. You know, big ass to have a guy fill in for a you know one one of the best ever do at a position. But he's got the height. He's got the he's got the height, the length. Um, Woolen has the speed to cover the deep passes. That Sherman did not. Um, you know, a little bit of a transition from UTSA to the NFL. I think that transition, probably some NFL teams had questions for, which is why he dropped around five, because it's a big, it's a big step up in competition. But there's similar things they do. You know, I don't think Woolen had the the opportunities. In terms of you know pass breakup and high level competition that Sherman would have in the Pac-12, so it's a projection, but he has all the traits you're looking for as a corner, and now it's just a matter of teaching him the nuances of the position. Well, how many contributors do you see in this class for year one? I see four. I see Cross starting offensive tackle for them, whether they end up putting him at right or left. Mafe is definitely one of their edge rushers, you know, similar like a Bruce Irving type. Uh, Kenneth, Kenneth Walker definitely getting into the running back pool, but he's a guy that I think has the most upside in that room over – you know, one of their scat backs or Richard Penny, and then Tariq Woolen as well. So I see, I see four, you know, year one making an impact. And how does the former Thorpe Award winner, or should I say the reigning Thorpe Award winner, fit into that plan? Colby Bryant. Yeah. So Colby Bryant, you know, 6'1", he's got the height they're looking for he's he's instinctive he's going to need to win with instincts and diagnosing the route concepts quickly he just you know he tested pretty poorly just because you know he he wasn't a huge corner he's 193 and he's he's you know if you take a look at one metric weight adjusted 40 from the guys that were around the same weight he was by far the slowest so that could be hidden in this in this zone heavy off in, in, in this zone heavy defense, especially if the pass rush gets there, it could hide some of those deficiencies at corner. So I think Kobe Bryant fits in where he's gonna be in that rotation to start. And from then we'll see where it goes. Might have better ball skills initially, Woolen. More, more upside, but probably not the polish as the throw award winner. So, you know, two different, two different type of prospects. But you know, I think what they're looking at the Seahawks is two two different type of prospects that you had talked about. One more productive on the field. One way more of a project 
but has outstanding traits. Boy, if you could get a fourth and fifth round pick to be your two corners long term, that would be the ideal scenario for the Seahawks. And just so everybody knows, Thorpe Award winner means you are the best secondary player in college football, just so people don't know. Because I don't know, sometimes I don't know. People know what Thorpe is. Uh, what's your grade for this class, Kenny? Yeah, so for this one, I'm going to give this one a, uh, I'm going to give this one a B minus. I like what they did at, at tackle. They got two guys with similar traits. Hopefully one of them pan out. Ideally, like cross. They got a starting running back. Uh, they got a, a, a boy mafia pass rusher. Another guy that has the traits but did not have the production was Tyreek Smith out of Ohio State as well. And then they double up at the end at receiver. So you take a look at their draft. They had a lot of uh, from from pass rusher, the offensive tackle, the corner. A lot of guys they doubled up, and Seahawks thinking that one of those guys at each position are going to be, you know, the guys in this class that are the key contributors and the starter. So overall, I give this one um, a B minus. A lot of a lot of talented guys at the top. You know, I ended up having four of the top fifty here for for them. Uh, but also, you take a look at the opportunity cost. They did not address the quarterback position, and they had opportunities in round three and round four. You know, take take, take a look at a guy like a Sam Howell or Matt Corral. So they bypassed that entirely. And you know, in terms of getting wins from this draft class uh, by bypassing quarterback, you know, I don't know how much of that you're going to get. Or, or, or what their plan is at quarterback because, you know, like the Panthers, they got, you know, it's them and the Panthers for the worst quarterback room in the NFL. And that's a bad recipe for having one of the worst quarterback rooms and you're in arguably the toughest division in football. So now let's go to the Arizona Cardinals. What did you make of their draft class? So the Cardinals decided not to use the 23rd pick in the draft on a player. They traded that um, for Marquise Brown, which is a big jump as a guy, you know, a first-round pick on Marquise Brown. You know, I don't think he's in the same realm as, like, an Adams or an A.J. Brown, Tyree Kill, uh, but but they used that on uh, him. They get Trey McBride, who is a, you know, a very explosive downfield tight end who should fit perfectly in this air raid offense for them. Then they kind of double up at defensive end and Cameron Thomas and Maje Sanders. Keontae Ingram was a talented guy as kind of that physical running back that they're going to use, you know, similar to how they used James Conner last year. And then, you know, they fit in at the end with the Jesse Loquetta, who's a standout at the senior bowl. He's an undersized pass rusher. Very athletic. You get under your pads. Marquise Haynes started at offensive guard for Oklahoma in a very good offensive line that the Sooners had last year as well. So the Cardinals come in and, you know, they, they had holes at receiver, corner, and defensive tackle. They got one of those in the high picks. That was the one they traded for, for Marquise Brown. Defensive tackle they met. Offensive tackle still a huge hole. Um, and then you know, they fill in from there, deciding, you know, not to take a placeholder at quarterback 
back up Kyla Murray. But overall, you know, I like some of the needs that they've met. How many contributors do you see in this class? For contributors, I'm gonna I'm gonna say I'm gonna say two here. Um in Trey McBride and Keontae Ingram. I'm not too high on either of the defensive ends they took in round three. Thomas and and, and, and Sanders. McBride, I really like this fit a lot as a, a downfield tight end who could run all the routes at tight end that this offense requires. Ingram as well is going to have if, if he's used in the same way as James Connor, he could carve out a nice role as well. Who would be your diamond in the rough in this class? Diamond in the rough here is I'm going to say I'm going to say Keontae Ingram. And, you know, this was a six round pick at running back. And of all the six-round picks, you know, I like him as that big back, quick feet, productive at USC as a six-round pick in this offense that traditionally has spread you out and they can run the ball well. That's when they're – I mean, that's when the Cardinals are rolling. They got an offense that could gash you too when they spread you out like in the first half of last year. If you can spread them out and have a physical presence, that could be a huge plus for them. So Ingram definitely has the size and what you saw on tape in college to carve out that role for them. What would your grade be for this class? Yeah, so for this one, I'm going to give this one a C plus. Um, You know, they were able to Get Hollywood Brown, but at a price I think that it's going to be pretty high, especially if you want to pay him in the future. Not sure if he, he requires the payday that he will seek, but it was a first-round pick spent on that. So that's going to be an interesting one. And then they were able, you know, to get bodies at defensive end um, and running back as well. But I really like this. Trey McBride pick um, for them to be the one that kind of carries the draft for the Cardinals. So, 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 so I'll give them a C. And this was also one, you know, you take a look at Trey McBride and uh, Hollywood Brown. They made those two picks, but they, but, but that was their only, uh, only one second round pick, and the majority of their draft was six and seventh round picks. So for that, I'm going to give them a C. So now let's go to the San Francisco 49ers. They were just in the NFC Championship game this past year. What did you make of their draft class? Right, so San Francisco came out early on with Drake Jackson, who I like a lot as a big pass rusher. Kind of fluctuated between, you know, even fluctuated between his pro day and combine, between 250 and 270. So once he gets into San Francisco... They'll, they'll, they'll be able to carve out a role for him wherever that is. To me, that's definitely a 275-pound edge rusher who does not drop back in coverage like he did at USC. A lot of movement on a coaching staff that was in flux at USC. So, Drake Jackson is a guy that has the traits, and now that he's in kind of a stable defensive uh, defensive line room, a stable program, 
should be able to carve out a good role. Tyreon Davis Price was interesting at running back. It's just another third round pick that they put into that running back room. A little curious because they spent a third round pick last year on Trey Sermon for for them. So now you have him, Davis Price, Raheem. It's 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 a cloudy water room uh, at the running spot. Danny Gray, this is definitely a Kyle Shanahan pick. You know, small receiver who could fly, similar like a Marquise Goodwin. I think he was around that four three three type 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 of speed. And then from there, you know, due to making trades and and whatnot with Trey Lance and moving down, they had one six kicks on day three. So from there, they take a defensive tackle, Khalil Davis out of UCF, who I like. Tariq Castro-Fields is definitely a long-armed corner that fits nice in that corner room. He was a productive player at Penn State, and he could hide behind that pass rush as well. So just a late-round corner that San Francisco has usually hit on. Um, So overall... You know, they met these at, like, edge rusher, running back, corner, offensive line. They took two offensive linemen. Um, but I don't know if either of those guys would be ready to start. Um, still a big hole at defensive tackle. And safety um, is a question as well. So they didn't meet any of their primary needs I had, but they met all their secondary needs. So... This is a team that was in the NFC Championship game this past year. They have Super Bowl aspirations. So how many guys in this class can you see contributing at a high level for this team this year? Yeah, so of, of the ones that are being like a key contributor at a high level, the only one I would see here would be Drake Jackson, who, you know, could could be opposite Nick Bosa, um, don't know if they re-signed. Uh, they they had a they had a defensive end from LSU. They had like seven sacks. I think Arden Key. Not sure if he resigned or not. But but they also but have D Ford. Oh, what's that? They also have D Ford. Yeah. So you know Drake Jackson is definitely a guy that I would expect to be in that defensive end position and either start or play a lot of snaps. They like playing a lot of def- a lot of three defensive ends and get after the pass rusher. That would be the one pick that I would expect um, for San Francisco to contribute at a high level. I think Gray has some ability as a punt returner, but not going to see the volume on a run heavy team that also has Kittle, you know, Kittle and Ayuk, um, and, and 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 the Johnson kid out of Tennessee. So I'm not sure if he's going to make an impact there. Running back, we know how. Uh, I, mean, I mean, the books out and how they operate at running back. So Davis Price, I don't see making a big impact. I'll see it being as one of several running backs in the room, um, and then no one kind of on day three that would contribute at a high level for them. And what grade would you give this class? Yes, yeah, so for this class, I'm going to give this class a C. Um, you know, of of the of the NFC West teams, I would probably have them third or fourth behind Seattle and Arizona. And it's one, like you said, that I don't know how many 
contributors here are going to, you know, help them keep up that level of being one of the top two teams in the NFC two of the last three years and getting to the Super Bowl. This was definitely for them a depth draft. And lastly, we have the defending Super Bowl champions, the L.A. Rams. What did you make of their class, Kenny? Yeah, so the L.A. Rams, you know, have traded for several stars. So there, so they only had one pick in the first two days. That was Logan Bruss, guard out of Wisconsin, who's going to have a chance to start for them, fill in for like maybe like an Austin Corbett, who's now in Carolina. So. They got guard. Um, they need a corner. They, they, they take a kick on FCS to Kobe Durant as well. Um, and then they, they they got a lot of these day three picks that they're going to try to fit in. Tyron Williams, I like a lot at running back as that third running back, a pass protector, a guy who can catch the ball out of the backfield. You know, working him in there with Cam Akers. And then on day three, you know, typically what the Rams did is, is is they trade for proven players at premium spots, and then those non-premium spots, linebacker, tight end, safety, they kind of fill in on day three. So they got a pass rusher out of Montana State. Uh, they did not take a tight end. They got a safety late. Russ, yes, who's going to be in their rotation, special teams player. Deion Kendrick out of Georgia, he's another corner. You know, a six-round pick got beat a lot. However, this was a guy that came over from Clemson. He's a talented player. So this was a draft where they're going to, you know, fill in the back end of their roster that they can't afford to pay veterans in. So they're going to use that, you know, and try to hit on a few of these guys. So you you take a look at what the Rams have done is – they trade a lot of picks for, you know, a Von Miller, a Stafford, a Ramsey. But in terms of number of picks, they ended up having eight picks. So so they have a lot of picks still, and they just kind of fill in on the depth chart from there. And with their coaching staff, they're usually able to develop a few of these guys. But, but still, they have the stars, and they added eight picks to their team. How many contributors do you see out of this class? I mean, the one I would say would be Logan Bruss. Is he a day one starter for you? Yeah, I do think he'll start at guard. Uh, He started a lot at guard for Wisconsin. And, you know, being a third-round pick, that's where you want a key contributor, if not, you know, a starter. Um, And they have... You know, a couple of spots open on the interior offensive line to start at guard. So you could plug him in at guard, I believe, on day one. How about a De'Aaron Kendrick or a Kyron Williams? How do you see those two contributing? Yeah, so for Kendrick, you know, I think the move to the pros in in, uh, in training camp and preseason is going to be key to see how he fits in and if you're able to trust him enough to put him on the field at corner. Tyron Williams, as long as he can hold up in, in, in pass protection, he's 5'9", 194. But if he could hold up in pass protection, he could definitely be 
a guy that could be that number two back, I think, behind Cam Akers and, you know, make enough plays in the passing game and kind of be that third down guy who could spell a starting running back. So it's going to come down to how he does and can you trust him enough being a little bit undersized and trust him enough in in our pass protection. He wouldn't shock me if by the end of the year we're in the playoffs and he's their number one back and it just somehow works out that way. I'm going to be the most shocked. Yeah. yeah, that's what he did. Um, you know, he kind of had that similar route on a really good team in Notre Dame and was their starter when they made the playoffs in 2020. Now he's on another really good team in the Rams, and I could definitely see that. You know, you could definitely see in the playoffs, if there's injuries, that they use Kyron Williams. Um, maybe not, at, you know, all the snaps, but they use him a lot with the Cam Akers. They use him a lot with the Daryl Henderson. They fit him in. So he definitely has a chance. Uh, I definitely have a chance to see the field for them. What grade would you give this class? Yeah, for this one, I'm going to give this one a C. You know, I mean, seven of their eight picks were day three. They're going to try to keep hitting and finding a gem on one of those. They end up filling out the depth chart. Um, but, like, what you would expect with one pick in the first two days, you know, I think only you know, one starter that you could have a strong feeling or a strong probability that he starts in Logan Bruss. And then from there, it'll come down to how some of these day three picks find their way into a backup role or eventually a starter role. And then how, how they do from there. Kenny, I want to thank you for coming on the podcast, man. I appreciate it. Thanks, man. And once again, I want to thank Kenny Sim for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. And I want to thank all of you for tuning into this episode. The 434th episode of Barbershop Sports Talk.